Thank you very much, my fellow Americans. I am very proud to announce today that we have reached a deal to end the shutdown and reopen the federal government. As everyone knows, I have a very powerful alternative, but I didn't want to use it at this time. Hopefully, it will be unnecessary. I want to thank all of the incredible federal workers and their amazing families who have shown such extraordinary devotion in the face of this recent hardship. You are fantastic people. You are incredible patriots. Many of you have suffered far greater than anyone, but your families would know or understand. And not only did you not complain, but in many cases, you encouraged me to keep going because you care so much about our country and about its border security. Again, I thank you. All Americans, I thank you. You are very, very special people. I am so proud that you are citizens of our country. When I say, make America great again, it could never be done without you. Great people. It's time for Forward Nation Radio. Now here he is, the host of Forward Nation Radio, David Leventhal. Welcome to Forward Nation Radio with me, David Leventhal. I am sorry to put you through having to listen to that. But some things you just have to get straight from the horse's ass, so to speak. And I guess hearing about the end of the government shutdown from a rambling, incoherent jackass of a president, well, I guess is important at this point. Uh, Faithful viewers may recall that just a few days ago, we said look out for another midweek episode where we would be discussing what we've been trying to discuss for a long time, which was the the fact that we should be getting more money from really rich people in order to do the things in this country that we need to do. Well, we will still be getting to that. Unfortunately, in the Trumpiverse, things move so quickly that in the last couple of days, a few days since our last show, we have fortunately the end of the government shutdown and we have so much more news on the Russia front that once again, we have been a little bit preempted. And I want to go through these current current news and explain what's been going on and then we will have a show in another few days where we will discuss why the wealthy should be doing more to support this country than they're currently doing anyway you heard the beginning of trump's speech announcing the opening up of government i expect you all have heard by now that that the deal has sort of been reached uh, a deal of course being the utter and complete capitulation of the president well we played the beginning of what the horse's ass had to say and he goes on from that in a series of lies stupidity and rambling incoherence for about 48 more verses or about 12 or 13 more minutes it is worth the time to listen if you have not actually listened to donald trump speak something like this it is really worth doing at least once in your lifetime because it's just a remarkable thing to sit through. Uh, You can't listen to him without thinking, this man is a moron. 
I mean, not only is he full of shit, and not only is he very likely truly insane, as I have been talking about on this show for a year and a half now, almost two years. The man, I don't care what anybody, the man is stupid. He not only thinks his his adherents are stupid, his listeners are stupid, but this is a stupid man. Um, if you listen to the speech, what jumps out at you is, is a few things. We'll get to the substance in a moment, but to start with is the whole, this guy is a wall salesman. I mean, seriously, this guy is one step down from a used car salesman. It is really a reminder that this is, in fact, how this man has lived his entire life. He is a charlatan. He is a crank. He is a used car salesman. The whole speech was basically, I got a wall to sell you. Or, or maybe for my older listeners out there, he's crazy Donald and his wall prices are insane. For anything other than the 12 of you who got that out there, go ask your parents about what that reference was. The guy is like a late night TV commercial, which of course he has been for most of his life. Okay, so I understand why he's trying to sell this stupid wall, which he's still going to be fighting over, since of course this government, the end of the government shutdown lasts about three weeks long and we're liable to be here again very quickly. But what was this crap about duct tape? If, if you heard any of this speech, again, listen to part of this. The guy goes on a ramble about women being duct taped. I mean, with real detail here. Stuff that is completely in his imagination. Stuff that is completely made up. But all these duct taped women. It's crazy. You listen to this and you think, is this the president of the United States? Or the guy in front of me on the contractor line at Home Depot? Selling walls and duct tape and God knows what else. Just can't stop being a huckster. Even when the fate of the United States government is at stake. Anyway, I hate to send you to listen to him because it's hard to listen to him without actually feeling the loss of brain cells. Brain cells exploding in your head as you listen to him. I've reported on this show about the long time... uh, adage in the in the stock and bond markets apparently that there is always a fool in the market look around if you can't spot the fool get out because you're it this is an adage that apparently has been rattling around our markets for a long time i'm reminded of that of course when you look at donald when when you listen to donald trump if you can listen to donald trump and not after more than a minute not think to yourself This man is a fool. He is an absolute idiot. If you don't understand that, I got news for you. You are the fool in the market and you need to get out. You need to not vote. You need to never talk politics with anybody. You need to never open your mouth and venture an opinion. Sit in the corner and play with your dolls or your Play-Doh or whatever because you've got nothing to add. If you can listen to this guy... And not be absolutely appalled. There's another old adage which I'm also of which I'm also reminded when I listen to the president speak, and that is the idea that if you keep your mouth shut, people may think you're an idiot. But if you open your mouth, you remove all doubt. And that's what I think of every time I hear President Trump. If you just sat there quietly and nodded, stern face, people might think there's some gravitas there. But every time you open your mouth, 
you remove any doubt about what a jackass you really are. Anyway, aside from the idiocy, we go back to Trump, the bullshit artist, the huckster. Even in the short clip we heard and then the few minutes that followed, it's just one piece of alternative reality after another, starting with the idea that he won. If you listen to the speech, it sounds like he is the master craftsman who has fashioned a solution out of nothing, ignoring the fact that this was a made-up crisis strictly of his doing, where he completely ruled out any notion of compromise at the behest of even bigger jackasses like Ann Coulter and Rush Limbaugh, and started this fight over nothing, only to ultimately completely capitulate. Yesterday, I was out with my two sons, and we were playing around with our hockey sticks, and my youngest son, five years old, was standing in front of the hockey goal that we had and trying to stop the ball. My oldest son shot one towards the goal. It bounced off my younger one's stick and went into the net that he was trying to guard. At which point, my younger son, without missing a beat, started celebrating the fact that he had scored a goal into, of course, the goal that he had been defending up until a moment ago. Why do I tell this story in case you're slow on the uptake? This is our president. I am reminded again that our president is basically a five-year-old. At least he has the maturity of a five-year-old. He went kicking and screaming and fighting. I will not give in. I will not give in. I will not give in. And then when he was forced to give in, said, see, I won by engineering a solution to this thing. Yay, I scored a goal. In reality, of course, Nancy Pelosi, primarily, completely kicked his ass. No, I guess I shouldn't say his ass. He kicked him in the cojones, which, for those of you who don't know Spanish, is apparently Spanish for cameras, which is where Donald Trump is most sensitive. And the threat, as it turns out, and I am adult enough to admit when I am wrong. I said on my show just a few days ago that I assumed that he would get his way and the State of the Union would go forward. But give Nancy Pelosi credit, as I am now. She put her foot down and said, you are not giving the State of the Union in front of Congress when you have the government closed. And there is no greater threat to this president than to not have the cameras constantly looking at him, since he is nothing but a showman. And that, among other things, led him to completely capitulate and prove that once again, when it comes to proving your masculinity, Donald Trump has nothing over Nancy Pelosi, or for that matter, any of the Democratic women who've recently joined the political scene, proving that they have way more balls than he does. I sure hope that Nancy Pelosi has no criminals in her family anywhere. Her father-in-law perhaps needs to be worried, as Michael Cohen could tell you. It's probably going to be payback time, despite the fact that he says that he's solving this, despite the fact that he says, as if he's being generous, I am going to make sure that you workers get paid. That was a wonderful highlight of the speech. I, I am the saviors of federal workers who I deprive of a paycheck for two weeks, or two paychecks, rather, for a month. Of course, he did leave out a couple of things in his bold stand to force the payment of these workers. One is, of course, that most of them, federal workers are guaranteed under the law to get their, to get their back pay, so Trump is doing and promising absolutely nothing. What was left open, of course, is a serious question about federal contract workers, many of whom are out there. 
and who are not, in fact, guaranteed to get their back pay. One third of whom, by the way, these federal contract workers, contract workers working for the federal government, one third of whom work for less than $15 an hour and clearly cannot afford the missed paychecks. So while we're stewing in the three weeks looking to see if some long-term solution can actually be reached, keep in mind what might be happening with these contract workers. Let's hope they're getting their back pay too. One of the most aggravating parts of Trump's short speech is the idea of putting partisanship aside. Yes, he's hopeful that the Democrats can be led to somehow put partisanship aside. I guess he's walking arm in arm with Mitch McConnell and maybe former Speaker of the House Paul Ryan will join them. The three biggest partisans in perhaps the history of this country who can lecture the other side about partisanship. That's a rich one. The guy who shut down the government for nothing but to win is going to talk about partisanship. I love his talk about his love for federal workers and literally his love. I I haven't heard Donald Trump profess his love like this since I guess him and Kim Jong-il were expressing their vows to each other, the dictatorial leader of North Korea. His love for federal workers, he, he really loves them. He just is so just troubled by the fact that they suffered more than anyone but their families could understand. Well, most of us actually did. Kind of like health insurance was difficult. Most of us really understood that these people were suffering. It turns out it's really just Trump and everybody he has appointed in his administration who really doesn't understand that they were suffering. So like with most things, when Trump finally catches on like six years after everybody else does to something that's obvious to the whole world, he points out the fact that nobody but him could understand this. Turns out a few days ago, according to Donald, we didn't even need these workers. Just a few days ago, he was extolling the fact that he had learned that, gosh, we could get by just fine without them. But oh, those optics have changed the tune, even since a few days ago. Oh, those optics of one after another, a parade of people from his administration standing in front of the cameras and making fools of themselves and the guy they work for. You look at Trump in any picture with the people who he has selected to work for him, and it is a rogues gallery of some of the biggest criminals and jackasses and scumbags on the planet. It is, you look at a picture of him with his staff, and it's like the easiest criminal lineup ever put together in the world because no matter who you pick out, that person's a criminal. So you can't lose. Everybody's a winner. Pick out a criminal from this lineup. And we talked just a few days ago. I I spoke about the president and his chief economic advisor putting their feet in their mouths and showing how much they lacked concern and lacked an understanding for what normal human beings go through. It's, I guess, billionaire or multimillionaire disease. Since that time, we've had Let Them Eat Cake Wilbur Ross, our fabulously rich commerce secretary and apparent criminal, who famously in just the last few days had his obvious let them eat cake moment. I don't understand why these people have to go to food banks. They could just get loans for these things because after all, if you're in the Trump administration, loans are probably not even something you have to pay back. You can just get loans for these things. Or again, as Speaker Pelosi so brilliantly pointed out, maybe you can just get loans from your daddy. 
In fact, I guess I had pointed that out just a few days ago on this show as well. And then we have Larry Kudlow, the director of the President's National Economic Council, who came out this week and pointed out how these people were volunteering because of their love of country and their allegiance to the president. Yes, that's right. Like most things, they were doing it out of the goodness of their own hearts. Actually, a sentiment that was echoed by President Trump, even in declaring victory at his capitulation, ending the government shutdown, at least for a few weeks. Thank you for your voluntary service to me, apparently, because, of course, everything is about him. You know, not about the fact that they could be fired. Then during just the last couple of days, we famously have Lara Trump, the president's daughter-in-law, proving that being a complete son of a bitch out of touch with the average human being isn't just genetic in the Trump family because she just married him. Who said the shutdown amounted to a little bit of pain, but it's going to be for the future of our country. So what the hell, suck it up. I will be suggesting later and in our next show, I really value that sentiment from Lara Trump. And that's why I know that she will be very happy to give almost all of her wealth to the American government and to people in this country who work for a living who can actually do something with that money. Then, of course, we even have Donald Trump, even before this speech, with his take on the Wilbur Ross statement of let them eat cake. I don't understand why they, why they don't just take out loans, why they need to go to food pantries. As Trump pointed out, people in their community will be offering to help. People will pitch in to help all these people. They don't have anything to worry about. Just like people, usually Russian people, have always been so quick to pitch in to help me. Or, you know, daddy has always been so quick to help me. Lost in this love of federal workers, of course, and it's useful to be reminded of this, is that just several weeks or months ago, Donald Trump had canceled a modest 2.1% raise that had been voted in for federal employees. Trump canceled that. Are you feeling the love yet, federal workers? So why did the guy cave? He caved because he lost, and he lost in every way imaginable. It turns out that publicly, before the shutdown, bragging about taking credit for the shutdown actually is hard to get out of. And it turns out that the public wasn't reacting very well to this. I read some recent poll that showed that his approval ratings had gone from a whopping like 40 or 42% scary thought, but his high for his administration to about 34% of the just absolute brain-dead cultists in this country. 34% approval and going down. It turns out that maybe even among the less diehard of the Trump supporters, Republicans, there's some point at which reality sticks its ugly head. And maybe when you're not getting a paycheck or when you're feeling the pain from Trump's policies, maybe that's when it starts to rear its head. Because the problem is real. The problem that Trump has been ignoring is real. And the fact that they don't care about the average American is very real. And it is, in fact, who they are. Hence, the rogues gallery and the criminal lineup of wealthy people who, every time they're opening their mouths, pretty much betray the fact that they have no empathy and no understanding for actual human beings. 
This was, aside from all the other things that were said in his administration, just in the last day, it turns out Michael Ertel, who a name you've never heard of, but he's the recently appointed Secretary of State of Florida. And it turns out that he just had to resign. Boy, a resignation so quick, you wonder why that guy hasn't yet been gobbled up for the Trump administration. He had to resign because it turns out that just a couple of months after Hurricane Katrina, when people had lost their lives, their livelihoods, their homes, their possessions, this guy thought it was funny to dress up in blackface and to mock Katrina victims. The Secretary of State of Florida, who I should point out was appointed by the newly elected governor of Florida, who you might recall, especially if you're a faithful listener to this show, you might recall the current governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, very memorably, maybe the most memorable moment of the entire 2018 election season, when during a debate against his opponent, Andrew Gillum, Gillum said, I'm not saying you're a racist, but clear or a bigot, I forget which term he used, but clearly the bigots think that you are. Here we are, coming back to roost. His one of his first appointees having to step down for being a little too blatantly on the bigot side. More evidence of what it means that these faux populists just do not give a shit about the actual public. And maybe, just maybe, people are starting to get that message. The reason, of course, that these people don't particularly give a crap, the idea that people in the community should just be helping out, volunteering to help federal workers, that government has absolutely no responsibility for these things, is consistent with the longtime ultra-right-wing Republican ideology that Trump so obviously represents. And again, a reminder that he is not the exception. He is the rule. He is the Republican Party. The idea that government doesn't have a responsibility to run this country and to help people in need, that responsibility needs to be left only to the decent people in this country. The weight of the world's shoulders, the weight of the world should only be on the shoulders of decent people. Irresponsible, unethical scum like the President of the United States, his family, his friends, well, he probably doesn't have any friends, the rest of his relatives probably, his administration for sure, they should get away with everything because they don't give a shit about anything. And so one of the big things that we're fighting for at this point, and maybe some people are starting to understand this who otherwise turn on Fox News and don't understand it, is that we are fighting for the fact that the worst in our society should be as responsible as the rest of us in making society run and in protecting our fellow citizens. Poll numbers are down. We mentioned before that when the stock market had tanked, and Trump got lucky there, it's bounced back. He took on the rich donors who were the Republican base. And when they started to fly off, Trump's in a lot of trouble. But now, by taking away people's paychecks, by undermining the economy, he's threatened his more obvious populist base. The ones who got him into office because he's been lying to them. The ones who think because of his lies that he's actually trying to help them. If even some of his base starts to get the clue that maybe he's not really out for their good, 
he's done for, and this presidency isn't going to have a whole lot longer to go. Why else might Donald Trump have completely caved on the government shutdown? Maybe it was kind of a red herring. It was interesting that his caving came just hours after the indictment of his close aide, friend, supporter, Roger Stone. A man who is such total sleaze that, well, he has a history of working for presidents. Nixon, Reagan, and Trump. The unethical scumbag trifecta. He's in his perfect milieu now with Trump's people, being total sleaze in the, I don't know, how else can we define this? I I guess a swamp, right? The guy is in the swamp that he deserves to be in. Boy, if only somebody could get in there and drain this swamp that is our current government and is the Trump administration. Swamp may be a good metaphor, but of course, when you look at the at the stone indictment and i encourage you to again read a little bit about what's going on there because it is kind of scary and the news at this point on stone basically reads like an advertisement for godfather 4 like they're coming out with a sequel for godfather 3 all about mob bosses here's some choice language from the indictment that really gives you the idea that these guys are the mob running this country on multiple occasions, including on or about December 1st, 2017 stone told person two, Randy Credico, the right wing radio hopeful that person two should do a Frank Pentangeli. Frank Pentangeli is a character in the film, the Godfather part two, which both stone and person two had discussed who testifies before a congressional committee and in that testimony claims not to know critical information that he does in fact know. I don't know if this is the first time a federal indictment has actually referenced the Godfather, but I bet it's the first time when it comes to a crony of the president of the United States. Here's some more language. This is a quote from Roger Stone from the indictment. I'm not talking to the FBI. And if you're smart, you won't either. Stone wrote in an email to person two, you are a rat, a stoolie. You backstab your friends, run your mouth. My lawyers are dying to rip you to shreds. Stone also said, according to the indictment, that he would take that dog away from you, which had me wondering what dog was a metaphor for. Only it turns out it's not a metaphor. He's actually threatening to take the guy's dog. How low can you get your kid's goldfish? I'm coming for your kid's goldfish. On or about the same day, Stone wrote to person two, I am so ready. Let's get it on. Prepared, prepare to die, expletive. This is a crony of the president of the United States, a guy who worked hard to get him almost elected. And lastly, from the indictment, Stone responded, you are so full of expletive. You got nothing. Keep running your mouth and I'll file a bar complaint against your friend. The attorney who had the ability to contact the head of organization one. 
Sorry, I have a bit of a cold right now, so I was going to try to do that in my gravelly mobster voice, but couldn't manage. So I hope you were able to hear that when you were listening. If you're Sopranos fans, you probably were able to fill in the blanks pretty easily there or or do the, the tone. This, again, this is this is a mobster and a close associate of the President of the United States And it is clear that it is getting closer and closer and closer to the president. The noose is tightening and tightening and tightening. And it seems pretty apparent that the godfather is, in fact, the president of the United States, President Gotti. Um, The New York Times, talking about the indictment, pointed out that that in responding to the indictment, Mr. Stone's lawyer, Grant Smith, dismissed the charges, calling them ridiculous and said this is all about a minor charge about lying to Congress about something that was apparently found later. Let's just analyze that for a moment. First of all, calling the charges ridiculous. They have the emails. Apparently, one of the the most disturbing things about this all is like every other bit of criminal activity with the president and his cronies, is how blatant they are. The complete and utter disrespect undoubtedly bred from a lifetime of lack of responsibility that they all demonstrate. He apparently was denying in front of Congress that he had written and said things the very day he wrote and said them. He was basically texting in front of Congress while denying that he was texting under oath. Aside from the brazenness, The idea of calling this ridiculous. And Stone, too, has come out and asserted his his innocence. Rather, He has treated this like it's a game, giving the V for victory sign so reminiscent of his crony Richard Nixon. No metaphor there or anything. How about the fact that his lawyer talks about lying to Congress as a minor charge? If this is where we've come as a country, where literally the worst miscreants in this country think that lying to Congress and obviously everybody else, a grand jury and jury and what, if they think that this is a minor thing, we really need to start changing the way the rules are applied a little bit. And these guys, and I hope starting with Roger Stone, need to go to prison for a very, very, very long time because the message needs to be sent that lying to Congress is not a nothing. It's not a minor thing. And I hope that they construct a brand new prison for everyone in the Trump administration or out of the Trump administration or on his campaign and probably in his family and himself who has demonstrated a complete lack of interest in following the law, a contempt for the fact that they should ever be held responsible. Keep this in mind when we talk next week about why the wealthy should be taxed a hell of a lot more than they are right now. But the last Russian news before we go, of course, as I alluded to earlier, Michael Cohen came out and said this week that he does not want to testify to the House of Representatives because he is afraid, because the president publicly made threats against him and his family. Michael Cohen, of course, is a liar and a criminal and an asshole. In other words, you know, a longtime Trump confidant. 
But, and so I don't necessarily trust that that's the reason he doesn't want to go in front of Congress and all, and I expect him to be subpoenaed where he will have to go. But let's be clear that the President of the United States publicly tampered with a witness, publicly committed a federal crime by telling everybody in a tweet that the FBI and law enforcement should go after Cohen's family, should go after his father-in-law for crimes. I know they're walking this one back and they're talking about what was intended and what wasn't, but this is tweet after tweet where the President of the United States has publicly obstructed justice. His lawyer-in-chief, of course, we don't want to get through an episode without talking about the lunatic Rudy Giuliani, noted that his father-in-law may have ties to organized crime. Hmm, no intimidation there. No rampant speculation there. No dragging the guy through the mud publicly there. That's behavior befitting the president and his lawyer. But he may have ties to organized crime, leading us to ask, what, did he work on the Trump campaign too? Because that alone would give him ties to organized crime. And finally, NBC just broke the story about security clearances. Speaking of the mob and John Gotti running this country, if not Vladimir Putin, NBC has reported in the last couple of days that the ruling of the FBI and the FBI and the White House staff, whose job it is to decide upon security clearance, the negative rulings against about 30 people currently working in the Trump administration were overruled by the Trump White House in what appears to be absolutely unprecedented. At least in recent years, they have never been overruled. A negative ruling has never been disregarded in order to provide security clearances. Trump has done it apparently at least 30 times, including for his son-in-law. This is the guy who's defending the rest of us and who's making America great again. Anyway, barring more tragedies in the next few days, please check in with us in a few days. We hope to get back at you real quickly to discuss the progressive tax system and why this country needs to get a lot more money from rich people. And of course, we will give you updates as we go over the coming weeks on whether we face another government shutdown in three weeks. As always, thank you for listening. Please share us with your friends and relatives. We can be found, as always, on Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher now, Instagram, etc. Thanks for joining us. See you soon. You've been listening to Forward Nation Radio with David Leventhal. 